Welcome to another episode of Mobile Homies. We're all just chilling at the crib. My good friend, 25 fucking years. Actor, writer, homie. You know him well. All his movies and roles and appearances. But he's just a good dude, man. Sun Kang. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'd like to... On behalf of my mother, my mother thanks you. My father thanks you. My <laughs> uncle thanks you. <laughs> uh, good, to, good to be here, bro. 25 years. Jeez. Can you believe it? Uh, that was crazy, crazy, man. I, I was I was telling um I was telling Latif this the other day that the first time that we came and performed as Latirix in UCLA. Yeah. I think that was 90. Seven uh, or ninety-eight, somewhere around there, right? Mid nineties. Oh, do you remember that? Yeah, mid nineties. Yeah, yeah, Sounds yeah. Like I told that. totally because, yeah, because Evan was going to school. Our mutual friend Evan, um, yeah. Evan Lung, Evan yeah. Leong, Evan yeah. Jackson Leong. He, yeah. uh, you know, he was he started dabbling in the video production, making video vi- uh, music videos for you, right? He needed right. a, a c- extra camera man. And I'm not a cameraman, but I was like, what? It's it's like, he was saying that, yeah, it's, you know, it's Northern hip hop. This guy's legend, you know, in, in our community, this guy is pushing boundaries and he's Asian American. It'd be kind of cool. So I went and it was, I saw you on stage, man. It was like the first time I think I ever saw my face on stage doing hip hop that I, that I could like start bobbing to. And oh, I was that's like, cool. Yo, yeah. This is, this is, this is dope. Simply. That's it. Thank so. you, man. Thank yeah, you. Man. Yeah. So yeah. we, at, Latif and I came and we performed at UCLA. They, I don't know, they brought us down to play and we played like out on the courtyard. And that was, and yeah, and I met Evan. That was the very first time I met Evan. And I think we met briefly, but you guys were like helping each other out or something like that. I don't think we really got a chance to chop it up because I was mostly, Evan, by the way, is the director of this series, you know, and he went on to direct uh, uh, Linsanity and obviously. Yeah and uh, a snakehead which is forthcoming but um you know we've all had this friendship now for like 25 years man that goes it goes in so many different directions and the trajectories are just fucking crazy man you yeah. know all positive by the way you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah we didn't get to talk because i was crew that day so you know evan <laughs> told me don't talk to the talent you gotta stay in the background you know right, I mean? so, right. So, you know. yeah but you know Kinships happen, even though, you know, there's a force that tries to stop it, you know? Did Destiny you always meets. Destiny always meets. Destiny always meets. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is, you know, this is, this is one thing that I really love about you, man, because people think that, people that ask me, that know I know you, you know, they ask me about your personality because they think you're like this really serious dude because of like the roles that you play, you know what I yeah. mean? And you're like the funniest fucking one of the funniest fucking guys I know, you know. Yeah, and I yeah. and I and I, tell, and I tell people like, you know, when Sung gets ready to talk, just clear the fucking runway, and just let him fucking talk because you don't know where the fuck it's gonna go. But the shit is gonna be fun, you know, and it's gonna be entertaining as shit. You know what I mean? I love it. Like those those moments that we have together. I'm usually the one that talks, but when we're together, I just shut the fuck up. You know what I mean? Because it's just like, it's so funny for me, you know, I mean, just to hear you go on your tangents and your point of view and shit, you know? 
Well, you're a great audience. You're a great audience because you laugh. You laugh with your heart and belly. See, look at that, right? So you want to you, you get that out of you, man. So it's, it's nice to be around that energy. Yeah. Thank you, man. Yeah. And and that's why I thought, you know, when when you when you started Sun's Garage, I thought that was fucking perfect, you know, because it just marries all your influences, you know what I mean? And and you get that opportunity where you can talk and explore and all that kind of shit, you know. Yeah, so. yeah, it's been a learning experience for me because I don't think that I'm a very good talker and I, it's hard for me to articulate like what's in my mind out of my mouth, you know? And uh the podcast has definitely made me, you know, work on a muscle that I didn't have. And it was really just kind of listening and engaging and always, because now a lot of this stuff is via Zoom. Like, you know, we're not in person, right? And right. then it's yeah. a different vibe when, you know, we're actually like you know, near each other. And this has kind of forced me to go, all right, how do we, you know, cut through the digital, you know, obstacle that we have but then we're able to have like real sincere organic conversations right mm -hmm. and it's really listening to go yeah man get rid of the static and focus on what this person is saying because i might not be able to touch you for a long time you know i might not be able to be hanging like physically with you so yeah totally um, yes so it's been great you know it's been great it's been great to be able to reach out to people from all over the world right mm -hmm. like you know because of this zoom technology or this facetime stuff typically I would demand like, you know, physical interviews where we actually go to location. But now like, now we did one in Wuhan, China, man. And to be honest with you, like I was kind of shitting bricks about reaching out to somebody in Wuhan. But then I was like, yo, this is a great vehicle because we don't need to talk about all the politics, but let's talk about the love for cars. And right. in China, dude, they got a fever for old American cars because, uh, or V8s and Mustangs and like these muscle cars because they can't get them. They don't right. have them there, right? Yeah. So, and it and it epitomizes everything that is great about America. And it's like interesting to hear why an American car, and then all of this stuff you hear in the news, and this like, you know, blaming so and so, and all this divisiveness. And then you hear these guys that are in Wuhan, and one of the dudes, like his his family members were dying. He, I think he, you know, he he lost an aunt. And these guys have people that are that are suffering from this, but their 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 attitude is. Hey man, we see America. We understand where the world's coming from. It's I, we get that they're blaming us, right? But then, you know, hopefully through conversation and just like connective tissue, like a love affair for an American car, mm -hmm. right? That elim that eliminates so much. Like you know, like speculation. There's a connective tissue finally, right? Mm -hmm. And yo know, man, this 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 lockdown has been horrible. But then at the same time, it's allowed me to be able to deal with like getting information from the actual people on the ground that mm -hmm. like the Chinese people naturally should be defensive. They're like, yo man, this ain't my problem. The saying didn't do this. Like we're suffering. Right. Like, Hey, I lost my aunt. I lost family members. Like right. shut the fuck up. Right. But this, their attitude is like, we get it, but we got to come together. And I'm like, yo, this is like some powerful stuff right here. And if I don't use this tool that I have or this access at the stage, just like you're doing, man, What's the point? We're just we're just here doing a bunch of this, right? So, um, man, you're absolutely yeah. right. I mean, the the reason why I started this initially was just so I could connect with my friends, you know, because we're all so isolated, you know. And like we said, it's that it's that connection that that human connection that we all crave that we can't be there physically with each other right now. You know what I mean? But yeah. just like you said, along the way, 
you put it perfectly. It's this connective tissue. You find that you have all these things that you can bond with people on and you start to discover all these silver linings, you know, even though it is, yeah, you're right. It does suck. But like you and I are probably going to have the longest conversation we've ever had right now. You know what I mean? In terms of just, just everything, because we're able to sit down, we're, we're focused. Nobody can go anywhere. You know, and it's like I said, like people that don't want to do this shit with me, they just don't want to do it. It's not because they're not available, you know? <laughs> so right. it's like we right. we have this opportunity to really bond in a way that, you know, I've been talking to a lot of friends I probably would not have talked to, even if we'd been apart for a few months. You know what I mean? Right, right. So it's been great, man. And and, and I think we, I, I've seen you, as you've been doing Sons Garage, I think it's really awesome because you've you'd be able to you found this sort of touchstone you can connect with all these people what, what do you think it is about american cars that uh really floats their boat out there in china i mean with the people that you talk to what is it in particular i think it's pop culture man you know i think america did such a great job of making cars romantic and cool you know mm-hmm. the, the, all the all the best car movies the only real car movies in the world come out of america right mm-hmm. so if anybody, you know, not everybody in the world is going to have access to cars and be able to, you know, live the fast and furious life, but mm-hmm. they can watch the movie and aspire to, you know, have a crew to, to have a love affair for a car. And, and I think you growing up with that, like when you ask dudes that like are car dudes, they always have American cars, like in their kind of top 10 list that inspired something. Maybe they're not into American cars today, but maybe before that Mustang or that Impala or that Chevy SS Camaro that, you know, they, they worked on with their uncle or, the, you know, the cool neighbor hat. There's always something and it's associated with so many like positive things. I mean, there, you and I, in our podcast uh, on songs, right? We talk about the toxic masculinity issues. Right. And yeah, right. there's some, there's some ego, you know, driven, like, you know, you know, like elements to the whole car, you know, car thing. But overall, you know, it really is like, you know, uh, kind of an extension of who you want to be. If you Mm -hmm. were to be a superhero, what would he drive? If you were like the coolest, remember back in happy days, like if you were the Fonz, what would you drive? You know, if you were, you know, like Han Solo, even his space shuttle was like, yo, that's a, that's like a junky car. That's like the El Camino of spaceships, right? For Han Solo. <laughs> the Elko, right? Right? totally. Yeah, right? yeah. Totally. So, yeah. So, so, so everything that is cool, that is like, you know, like tough, that is romantic, that is superhero, that is rugged, like, you know, it's a little scrappy, all of those things, man. And then also aspirational, Lambos, the rappers, they, you know, they, 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 they've been pumping out this message of like cars equal cool and that equals you know, girls, right. Or whatever, like that life aspirational lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And so I think throughout the world, man, just like American movies, it's like, you know, people connect, you know, they connect with the ethos of that car, whatever it is, a Japanese car or a fastback Mustang from the bullet movie. It's like, yeah, I want to be like Steve McQueen or, right. you know, you know, I want to be like Paul Newman or I want to be Magnus, a Magnum PI, right. With the Ferrari. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah, man, I think it's just natural. It's just the natural thing that attracts people throughout the world, you know, male and female. You know, you know, what's really interesting, man, when you say there's like a, there's an aspirational element to it, there's a nostalgic element to it. There's, 
so a lot of people just have their identity wrapped tied up in the car, you know, or when I was a kid, when I was, well, my uncles, my grandfather, they all drove Cadillacs. You know what I mean? So when I got older, I said to myself, I'm going to get a fucking Cadillac, you know? And then when I became a junior high and in, in, in junior high age and also high school age, all the dope dealers used to circle Berkeley high in like 68, 69 Cougars, 64 Mustangs, you know, um, what were some of the old schools? Cutlasses, you know, like 72 Cutlasses, a few Cadillacs here and there, but they were all candy painted with like Dayton's and Vogue's and just immaculate, you know, like the Cougar, when, when you hit the turn signal, just you, it would go like this in the back, you know, the light would go uh -huh. like that. And when you're a kid, that is so, you're so impressionable and to me, that's still the gold standard of like what an old school car is. You know, it's like what the dope dealers drove when I was growing up. You know what I mean? And like we used to watch them. And I'm not trying to glorify anything, but I'm just saying, you know, there were some beautiful cultural moments that came out of that period of turmoil. You know what I mean? And that, you know, we're talking the late 80s, early, like the crack era. You know what I mean? Right. And I'm not saying that obviously, you know, that was horrible, you know, and it, it, I just saw my whole neighborhood and half of my city just fucking transform from that shit in a, in a negative way. But there were like these beautiful cultural moments that I can't help it. They're just indelibly ingrained in my mind. And I associate old American cars with that, a certain style of old American car with that era, you know. And so when I finally did get a 1968 Coupe de Ville drop top, which I, I don't have it anymore, but when I finally did get it, I wanted it to be like that car, like those cars that I saw as a kid, you know, that I was so enamored with, you know, it was, it's crazy, man. It's crazy how these things never leave your psyche, you know? I think you need to write a song called 67 Coupe de Ville Drop Top. That's a great, that just rolls off the tongue right there, man. <laughs> It's funny. I said it was funny. I think I didn't. I text. I think I texted you recently, man. I was like, "Hey, man, uh, let's do a Cadillac." You're like, "Yeah, I'm not sure if that's my thing, man." I'm <laughs> <laughs> no, hey, but, man. Yeah. Hey, no, 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 no hate on the lax, man. You know, yeah. I get it. Like, I get that era. Like, my buddy, my buddy Daniel Wu, actor and like car enthusiast and car builder. He has a yeah. like a, a suicide door you know, Lincoln Continental. And that's very mm. like Cadillac kind of DNA. Right. I, look, I appreciate that era, man. Like, yeah. it's just like, how do you build out a Cadillac? Like, you know, and I think it's just, it doesn't, it doesn't kind of merit like putting like engine swaps in there. You got to kind of, you got yeah. to, you got to leave those like pimpalicious. And there's a time and place for pimpalicious. I'm, I'm all about being pimpalicious. So like, you know, I would love to have a Cadillac in my, you know, like driveway to be able to, and I'm, I think that's a great car that my wife will actually, you know, ride shotgun. Like she, <laughs> right. she will not get in any other cars, but if that was AC, yeah. you know, yeah. that thing is a smooth ride. So no, I, well, I they're, love they're, Cadillacs. They're different mentalities, right? I mean, like 
you know, muscle cars are it's it's for speed and performance and that. But cat, the Cadillacs are for cruising. Lincolns are for yeah. cruising. You know, they're for comfort. They're not for speed. And they're a static. Well, at least for my mom's generation, they're definitely. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> <Totally. A> stat- <laughs> It's a status symbol, man. I remember, yeah. you know, she, we would. She goes, one day you need to, you know, buy a cataract. I go, huh? Because that's, you know, that's when you're you're puja. Puja means rich. That's like puja people drive the cataract. And I'm like, <laughs> oh really? How about the Mercedes? She goes, no, Mercedes. It's like the Mercedes. Japanese. <laughs> totally. <laughs> you don't cataract. want that. Isn't that yeah. what Uncle has in his eyeballs? totally man well what what let me ask you this what is in your driveway right now what is in your garage right now behind you uh right now is a 1970 Mm -hmm. uh by the way this is you probably you're like one of the first people to really kind of get an introduction to where this car is going and the plans for it okay so i saved it for you right wow all right all right, so this is a 1970 914 Porsche, and wow. they made 119,000 of these cars from 69 to 76. And this is a 1970, and the way you can tell the difference between this and the 74, 75s, the later models, is that it was pre-bumper regulation, so you have these smooth lines. The 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 74, uh, 56, they have these big rubber bumpers because mm-hmm. in America. For safety reasons, they would have to put gigantic, like you know, uh, rubber bumpers on there to meet the the regulations for any import car in America. So it made them really ugly. Sales went down, but I'm focusing on the 1970. And what I'm doing is I'm building ten of these cars. And I want to make them into functional track and roadworthy, you know, art pieces. And mm. they're called Viceroy. These are the Viceroy 914 series. So I want to do 10. And Viceroy is, in my understanding of the meeting, is someone who takes the ethos of a king or queen and they represent a sovereign. And mm. look, I, I do not claim to be a king or queen in like building, but the community that I have got some really great people and passionate people and talented. So we want to leave a mark, man. So, you know, I want to do 10 and I want to, they're all hand going to be all handmade with wow. everything, modern components, but really respecting the spirit of Porsche and the original designer who designed this. I consider it a masterpiece and very underappreciated. I mean, you feel like the 914 is underappreciated. Oh, this is the ultimate bastard child of the, of the Porsche family because if I grew up with these cars around me and you could always get them for like 500 bucks yeah. and people would strip out the engine because it's like a little, you know, 90 horsepower engine and they're 1.7 or 2.0 liter and they didn't you know, really do much. But the people that knew, knew that this was a superior built uh, body and chassis because the guy who designed it was very, very particular on making sure that this car did not go to the wayside and was not some economy piece of crap. Who was that? And, who designed it? Who designed it? You know, so so Dr. Porsche, the guy who you know created Porsche, also did the uh, Volkswagens, right? Uh, the, yeah. the Beetles, mm. and they were trying to get find the economy car to take place of the 912, which basically looks like any 911, but it just has a smaller engine, like a 2.0. So that was like the entry level Porsche. So they wanted to create something different and 
have an entry level. And I don't remember the guy's name. I, I have it on the tip of my tongue, but I can't recall at this at the second. But he was hired by Porsche to create a you know sports car. Um, but he ended up spending way more money than the cost of a 912. And then that's why the 914 eventually got killed. But because he said, hey, I'm not in the business of making pieces of crap. I'm putting my name on it. I want to make a, a, a car that will last forever and live, live long. But you want some piece of crap with like shortcuts. He's not going to do it. Mm-hmm. So that's why the 914 eventually. This is all just hearsay. And this is the stuff that I found you know, online and talking to people. But mm-hmm. so then the spirit of this car was always like the outsider, the underdog. The engine was weak. Porsche never gave it any love. You went on the market for a few years, got killed. It doesn't look like the other Porsches. Just a little odd kind of thing. And I feel like, yo, man, I am that guy. I've always been the outsider. So I, I love those type of cars. And I like to kind of bring new life to them and put like, you know, like a, a magic touch to it. So we want to make bespoke cars, man. So this is, show you the tag. This is, his name is Ryan. So I name all my cars. And so this is, this is this is one of ten, and um, it's named after the the original owner who I bought it from in Valencia. And so we call this Ryan. This is as you can see. Wait a minute. The, the, the original owner's name was Ryan Valencia. No, he lives in Valencia. Oh, Ryan, Ryan from because uh, when I when I saw Ryan and you said last name Valencia, I was like, was he Filipino? No, 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 no. He was. He was not. Um, <laughs> okay. Right no, no. Continue. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Continue. yeah. So, uh, so he had this car for about 10 years, put a lot of money into it, yeah. let other people build it for him. And, mm-hmm. you know, so I, what I'm doing is basically I'm stripping everything out. As you can see, take every single thing out. Mm-hmm. I, you know, this is none of this will go back into the car. I have, you know, R&D seats. Look at this seat. Look at this. Wow. Oh, yeah. That's like a, a spaceship stuff right there. So. Wow. This is kind of this is the level of build that you know I'm in, you know that I'm using a styling cue. So mm-hmm. right now what I'm doing is I'm stripping everything down with a screwdriver and a hammer. Basically have to chisel all of this bondo. So whoever built this car out or restored it cheated the customer and put all of this see this crap man? It's basically like yeah. a spray and rubber to hide all of this surface rust because what you should do is you should sand it down to the bare middle and then you treat it and then you put primer on it and then you then you paint it and it's nice and clean and wow. it'll last forever it'll last forever but this this tells you man it tells you that you know it's very interesting is like when you go through a car you can tell everything about the human being that built it because basically his philosophy is what they don't see doesn't mm-hmm. matter yeah and even if it and look this was a perfect car until he touched it and then it got wet, rain got stuck under this all this gunk, like here, and then created this cancer. So mm. Ryan has cancer. This has to all be cut out, rewelded in, right? So have you always been a car dude? Like your whole life? Have you been a car guy? I wouldn't say my whole life. It was I always had an interest in in uh doing what I'm doing now, but you know, we didn't have the money, man. We didn't have resources. I always was a fan and I had people in the neighborhood that, you know, would be working on their cars. So I was able to hang out, kind of just, you know, be a part of their kind of journey. But nah, man, it's like, 
you know, having a hobby car, you still also, you have to have some money and some time, right? So right. I've been, you know, I've been hustling to make a living as an actor, like hundred jobs, man. So yeah. um, I've always had the interest, but to say that I was like wrenching on cars and, you know, you know, I grew up around them. It's like, nah, man, that's like, when I hear kids that are able to do that with their, their pops and, you know, they had their first car when they're like 15 and they, they you know, dad helped. I was like, yeah, man, that's all that movie for me. So, right. but so, now yeah. I'm yeah. trying to live that life, you know, I'm trying to do it, but I'm trying to do it right. And that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. How many do you have at this point? So we have, so I haven't, I have a, I got another 914 about three weeks ago mm-hmm. and then we have an offer going into a couple of them now. So we're trying to get all 10 right and have them ready to go as we start building them out. Wow. So, and then, so you're gonna have like a fleet basically of nine fourteens. Yeah. With the the plan with the Viceroy bespoke motor company is that I want to do 10 nine fourteens and then move on to a different platform. And then I want to do the 2002 BMW, those classic square little BMWs, Uh, right? I want to do 10. Yeah. My mother's boyfriend had like four of those. And he, oh, really? and he swore by them. You know, this is when I was uh, six, five, six years old. You know what I mean? He had like four of them. Three of them were in great shape. One was a fucking beater, but it was his daily driver. And it was so fast. Like he used to get pulled over on the freeway and the police would let him go because they'd take right. one look at his car and they'd be like, oh, there must be something wrong with my radar because it, the, his daily driver was such a beater. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. But it was the fastest fucking car, and it's just tiny, right? It, you know, it's a little tiny. It was like it was like the Datsun five ten of BMW. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, pretty much. And, yeah. and he and it was just and then he had three others that he had restored, and they were gorgeous with the sunroof that you could go like this too. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. uh yeah, and I every now and then I see one on the street, man, and they're so loved by the people that own them. You know, it's pretty amazing. How many cars would you say you have just in your per? Do you have a personal collection, like something that you're not rebuilding? No. Okay. No, I mean, I, I have the Fuguzi that's yeah. behind me. That, that's this car that you see up there, right? Yeah. That's that yeah. white car. Mm-hmm. But uh, I can't show it to you right now because it's 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 changed up a little bit. So you guys will see it in Fast 9, right? So big surprise, right? Wow. So I have to kind of keep that cover until that movie comes up. But I have that, and I, you know that that was like the first kind of car project that I was able to be a part of, and mm. it was just simply just want to hang out with a couple friends and you know be able to spend some time together. And that's why that car was built, and you know that ethos kind of spread, and people really you know used it um, as a mascot to get back into the love affair for old you know Datsuns and yeah and jdm so or and just hang out just hang out and you know wrench with your boys even if you don't know what you're doing that's where yeah. i was able to learn so much by you know meeting all of these guys that came on board to donate their time and really build this car out so it's like a honor to be a part of that level of build and that level of enthusiasm your first time out and that's purely dude it's not because of some dude it's like it's purely because my association with Fast and Furious and Han, that character, right. like, you know, it connects to people. So they want to live that in real life. And I was like, wow, I have such great access. You know, what a, what a great like key to the world, especially in the car community. And after that car, man, to be honest with you, I felt like I cheated 
and, and cut in line. And I felt like, yo, there are people who work hard their whole life and know everything about everything and good people that, that, you know, they get ignored because of uh, people like me. And I'm like, I think I better switch up like the why, the mm -hmm. purpose. Like if I'm going to build cars or be around, you know, the car community, I have to, it can't be about song and a whole bunch of this, like how cool am I that, you know, some actor like built some car. I can't, it has to, has to be bigger than me and has to like bring people together, it has to elevate and put the spotlight on other people that necessarily wouldn't get it. And my mind works in that way is that in movie productions, people just give credit to the actors because that's what you see in front of the camera. But yo, man, that movie is not made without the people that are carrying lights, doing lights, running camera, making, you know, working on the costume and the sets and the, making your food and driving the trucks. It's, it's a village. And with cars, it, that's what I think I love. And I think that's what's my superpower, man. If, mm. if any skill I have is I know that I, I can recognize good people and talented people. Mm -hmm. And I love having a, a place in their journey to their greatness. And I think, you know, cars are the perfect place to like bring dudes together. There's a purpose because most of the dudes that work on a car with me, man, we have nothing in common. Grew up in totally different places, yeah. you know, and normally we would not hang out. Right. But then the car you're spending months, you know, and then you forever, you guys are the parents of this child right everybody that worked on it from the guy who brought screws the guy who just took a picture of it to help and put it on social media the guy who delivered the tires or towed the towed the car to wherever it needed to go to me right you know when all those people can get behind and be enthusiastic about a car that you just had in your mind and you drew some picture about mm -hmm. you know dude that's like that's special that's a special place in this earth to be able to move men like that and mm -hmm. Yeah, man, I think just like you, your ethos is like, you know, I want to leave a legacy, but not a legacy of just, you know, like how famous or how much money he made. It's really like legacy of like, yo, man, everything he touched made everyone else better. And actually, you know, there was purpose behind it. And at the end of the day, man, we have fucking fun, right? Yeah. Fun, yeah. dude. It's like a dream to have a, to have a car in the garage like this and to say, yo, man all these ideas and all these people are coming together crazy. come on man like i know what that is that's like i won the lottery yeah. i won the dude lottery right so <laughs> right. totally yeah huh. no i mean it's it's community it, it creates a community right, well you're part of a community now that you're enhancing and that you're expounding upon you know what i mean it's funny when you know speaking of which when I was a kid, man, I don't know if you remember this, you know, obviously you have a Z, you have a Dots, and you, when I was a kid that like all the OGs, used, there was like a Z club, you know, and they all used to ride around Oakland and Berkeley and like these, these old, like 10 Zs would go out on a Sunday and like circle around Lake Merritt. And uh, I'm not going to mention his name, man, but my homie's dad was part of a Z club, you know, he had like a 240 and a 280 or whatever the fuck he had, you know. He actually was driving a little too fast around Lake Merritt. I don't know if you know Lake Merritt in Oakland, man, but he was actually driving a little too fast around Lake Merritt one night and drove the shit into Lake Merritt. <laughs> you know what I mean? Which is like Lake Merritt is literally like four feet deep, but that's deep enough just to submerge a Z. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's yeah. got these aggressive ass fucking swans. 
that live, you know, they're, they're, they'll, they're, like people get chased by these swans at Lake Merritt in Oakland, man. And I talked to my friend's dad about a year ago, and he thinks that the Z is still at the bottom of Lake Merritt. So <laughs> I think what we should, yeah. and when I say at the bottom, I mean like four feet deep. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Yeah. And if you if you raise it up, like if you've ever seen that footage of like people in Amsterdam when they pull the bikes out of the canals and shit. Yeah. Yeah. You, you are sure to find like empty 40 bottles inside yeah. <laughs> as it raises up from. The, uh, you know what I'm saying? Anyway, yeah, yeah, like yeah. I thought it would be cool. I always fantasize like if you could find like 10 guys who were still into like old Z's to start a new fucking Z club. You know what I mean? And we'll all just drive our cars into Lake Merritt and put it on Instagram. You know, when, anyway, you know, you feel me, but no, you, man, I, mean, I bet you, I bet you there's already a Z club up there. You, you'd be surprised, man. The car club like scene is pretty vast. It's just that, you know, it's, you know, they're not in the, you know, the, the forefront of, you know, but you know, in pop culture, right? So mm-hmm. they're not like you yeah. might not be exposed to it. But I mean, with social media today, you can find that. I mean, it might it might be a Z club with like five dudes in it, but the guarantee up up in the bay. Oh come on, man! I bet you it's like three hundred deep up there, easily, easily. <laughs> a Z? I don't know if there's still three hundred Zs in the world, bro. Oh, oh. for sure, because yeah. it goes to the you know, it's not just Zs. Don't just cover. The 240, 260, 280, but there's the 300 Z, yeah. you know, the free 350, the, the, the 370. So they're all one, you know, connective tissue. So they, when they roll deep, dude, they show up like yeah. these guys. And now the Z's, man, are super popular. I guarantee, dude, I bet you there's at least 300, like old, old school 240s up there. Minimal. Totally. Yeah, with the yeah. vents, what was that shit on the windshield? Like they had the, like the vent, the back, the rear windshield. They had the vent like screens. Oh, yeah, yeah. The uh, like the shutters, like yes. the shutter kind of yeah. rear. Yeah. Up here, they had a guy that you know how they have all these specialty mechanics. They focus on one kind of a car. You know, I'm sure they have a lot of them in LA. But up here at that time in the '80s, it was a guy called the Z Doctor. And that's all he did was he focused on Z's. And like you would see, if you would see the Z's driving around town, you would see the license plate you frame and it would yeah. just say Z doctor. And it was like status. It was like yeah. status if your car got worked on by the Z doctor, you know, it, yeah. it made you official, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When when I got, when we worked on the, when we were, just, you know, got this Faguzi, the, the Z, this is a 73. And, you know, you can get them for like two to, Six thousand running, like wow. decent shape, right? Yeah. And now they're like forty thousand all day for like a, a solid one. Are you like forty grand for a Z? You know, it, it it makes me think that anything that people may feel like doesn't have value right now, give it time, man. Anything you can think of, man, give it time. You know, and if it really does have some kind of intrinsic value over time that will be seen, you know, and you can say that about, you can say that about cars. You can say that about, you know, I'm a record collector. You can say that about records. You can say that about, you can say that about careers and body of work. I mean, there's some people out there that did, in in my opinion, so many actors and musicians that did great work, but the merit of that wasn't necessarily valued until 20 to 30 years later or whatever. You know what I mean? It's just, any anything of value, I feel like give it time, 
and, and it will be seen, you know, like you're, you're right. Like 2002, when I was a kid, they were cheap, man, you know, or 510 was stupid cheap. And now, like you say, man, if it's fully built out and I don't know, I think to me, when I, when I think about you and I think about your career, I mean, you've been working for as long as I've known you and you've been working on great movies and and great series for as long as I've known you but I feel like now you're working more than ever you know it seems to me like I, I don't know the, the trajectory that you're on has really picked up steam just from you know some of the things that we've talked about not that you weren't obviously killing before but I'm just saying it seems like it's sort of it sort of hit this point of critical mass in my opinion you know would you say that that's accurate no, I don't. I, I, I don't feel that. I feel like that. The maybe what's the analogy? I feel like before my career was like I was walking. I knew where I wanted to go, but there was no sidewalk right paved for me, right? And I was walking on the dirt road, right? And now I feel like because all the ambassadors and like the dope people that out there that do entertainment that look like us. Right. And the world has changed. It's more global. All those things like all these like wonderful other Asian Americans out there that are directors and producers and writers and actors, all my fellow actors out there that are killing it, that are getting this, our face out there. Mm-hmm. I feel like, yo man, now there's like a, at least the, the concrete has been laid, mm-hmm. but I'm still kind of going, it's not fully dry yet. Mm-hmm. And, you know, do I get so excited or, you know, is this, am I, am I going to get stuck? And where do I feel? I feel optimistic because, you know, there's more of us. There's like power in numbers, right? Mm-hmm. So you got all these talented people out there in every facet of entertainment, right? And music, Asian Americans are killing it. K-pop, that influence, all that things. Those are all interconnected. And it's changing the perception of Asian you know, like people on media, mm-hmm. and then within America, right? But yo, man, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't disappoint my parents and do all this stuff because I wanted to just, you know, end my career. And 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 look, no, no, I'm not looking down on this at all. But like, if I can't strive to like win an Oscar and do that level of work, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, you know the fast movies and all the other work I've done. It's awesome, man. It's like those are all stepping stones, and that's where you learn. Do I feel like will I have the opportunity to like go to that level? I feel like yeah, man. I know that I can do. I'm ready for that challenge. Yeah. But you know, I also don't hold my breath because I've learned my lesson is that you know it comes in time, man. You do what you do. You know that's why I'm like yo. I would love to learn more about you know the production side of it and the mm-hmm. producing side of it. So you go, yeah, put on that hat, go learn that skill. And hopefully you can find like somebody to fill that position to help your vision or help the things you want to create. But also, you know, the timing has to be right, man. I was thinking maybe it'll skip my generation and your, you, you know, your son's generation will, will reap the benefits, right. Mm-hmm. Of our kind of paving that sidewalk. Yeah, and I was scared. I was like, man, maybe I don't get to really live the Hollywood dream in the same level as anybody. When you watch the Golden Globes or Oscar, you go, man, I'd like to be walking next to them. Not just because I want to go to the event and have my picture taken. Like I want to be up there nominated. You know, yeah. I want, I want, you know, to have a voice. I want to be able to talk about the craft and yeah. like go. My level of passion for the craft is 
you know, equal or more to like any car I've done. But then within the car world, people listen. But in mm-hmm. the in, in media, I don't think they listen to us for a long time because the years that we're listening, they didn't need to listen to that. Now they're realizing, yo, man, it, you know, it's at the end of the day, show business, brother. You know that. It's got to make money. They got to make money off of us. And now they're like, Yo, K-pop is making billions, right? Mm-hmm. Our friends, do we all have guys in your snatch devices here? Do we all have you guys? Yes, you just do the first one. You don't know why I got to this type of name. What is it? Well, here, you know, making brothers here for racist. Nah, man, they don't care what your color is. If you bring in the money, you're all good. It's show business, man. It's supply and demand. And now I feel like, yo, we got a lot of ambassadors. The concrete is laid it's setting and then let's see man let's see who comes up and they you know you can talk all this stuff about community and this asian shit but then you know if the goods are like whacked come on man you know right. but now you know people are like i call it they're Jer- jeremy living Lin- shit you know like come on right like you know the film you were in with uh randall and uh yeah ali wong uh what's the title again uh always uh, be my baby yeah. Always be my baby. Uh, may- maybe yeah. always yeah. be my baby. That's available on Netflix. Maybe, you yeah. are in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yo, that's Jeremy Lin shit right there, man. You know, yeah. you watch that. It's like boom, take people by surprise. You're like, yo, that is. Take the Asian out of it. You go, yo, that is a funny ass rom com, right? right? That is well made with jokes that you're like, yeah, I've never seen that, right? Yeah. And then, then you get. Funny people like like Ali and Randall to lead that church. Come on, man. So, yeah. yo, we're we're good. We you know we just gotta we just gotta keep doing our thing, man. That's it. That's well, it, man. We're good. I, I think yeah, I agree with you. I think I think though that one of the things that it is I can say about you though is that you, you know you've shown so much fortitude over the years. I mean, I I, I mean we're both at this age where we probably could have quit a long time ago, like just out of sheer frustration, you know? But I think the fact that your fortitude has allowed you to see that pavement being laid, you know what I mean? I mean, you're watching it with your own eyes. You were a part of it being laid, you know? I mean, do you feel sometimes like, were there moments over the past 20 years where you were like, fuck this, maybe this isn't for me? You know what I mean? Maybe there's another path that I can pursue. Or was it always just like, I'm going to see this shit through, you know? No, I feel like that now, man. I feel like, like, yo, I don't know if I, well, should I keep going? I don't know if this is working out, right? So. Even even with all the opportunities that you have now, because, I mean. Yeah, I'm, for oh. sure, man. Come on, opportunities, opportunities, but apples to apples, yo. I'm, look, I've yet to be the lead of a TV show. I've yet to be lead of many things. And you go, I've yet to be supporting character and like certain storylines and stuff like that. You know, so I go, yo, man, it's still far ahead. Like, look, I've, I've stayed clean, but then where I feel like I want to go, right? Mm-hmm. Where I feel like the reason why I'm here is like, it's still way, way in front of me. And I go, I got responsibilities, man. As you get older, it's not just about you. It's about your family. And then also it's about like staying sane and positive because, you know, when a man is fighting for something, when, when humans go out there and we're hungry and, and they're, you're just getting scraps or you don't see the opportunity, man, it fucks with your head, dude. 
Like it mm-hmm. gets nasty and it, it affects your family, it affects your friends, it affects like self-perception. So there's so much, you know, there's, there's so much like negativity or negative memories that come with this journey of being an actor with massive, like, you know, like fruits and, and, and benefits that come out of it. Just like one movie, like Tokyo just all of a sudden makes you like world famous mm-hmm. to a degree. Right. But actually like, opportunity where i go man i want, like i said with the cars man i don't want to be making funny money cars or clown cars i want to leave a legacy man like i want this to be a masterpiece and that's how i you approach your music and that's how i approach my art but then like i'm not i'm not downplaying anything i've done or like discrediting any of the, the projects i've done in my career man it's like i look at that it's these stepping stones but i'm human man i, I have fears dude like i go maybe i'm not getting those opportunities because I suck. Right. But I don't know what else I'm going to do right now, Tom. Like I told my wife when I was like 35 or 36, that I was going to join the LAPD. Cause that was like the cutoff. Right. At that time. I said, I think, <laughs> really? I, I, yeah, dude, I, I came home and I said, I'm going to, I, the cutoff is like 35. I think at the time. And I was at 35 and I was like, I think I got to, get us like medical insurance because you know you have to make a certain amount of money as an actor i think it's like 13 grand to be even qualified to get insurance that you pay for but but our union the screen actor guild if you make like thirty-three thousand a year like gross then you get you know health insurance you qualify for their program and i was like looking at my wife and i was like yo man you know like i gotta take care of my family like i have never had medical insurance right and but neither had she I- I, I guess the point that I'm trying to make is, yes, clearly, challenges. You've had challenges. You say this. But, and you say you still might have these moments, you know, where you're like, oh, do I want to proceed? Do I want to continue? Yet you do. You do. And so this is why I'm I'm saying, you know, is there something out there that, and, and, and I hear you talk about legacy and I hear you want to, you know, when you talk about legacy, what I'm getting is you're talking about leaving a body of work that, um, that, that is, is, has more value than just, you know, how you feel about you. You know what I mean? It's, and, and I guess what I'm saying is, yes, you have all these challenges. Yes. You, and I'm not downplaying those at all because I know those are quite real, you know, yet you continue. So what is it that, Although maybe you say you may not have hit these marks or these milestones yet, you still persevere and you still push on. And that's what I, that's what I mean when I talk about your fortitude. I mean, what is it that keeps that continues to drive you? Although may, you may have these moments where you're like, this is a little shaky, you know? I don't know, man. I think it might just be, it might be unhealthy ego because, you know, growing up, where I grew up in an environment, you're always put down and put in a place where your voice, you know, it has no volume. Like your voice does not matter, you know? And, uh, I think is we, was it going to either be sports like baseball or some type of entertainment? And I have no interest in politics. I don't, I don't think my personality works in that world. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think it's like growing up in a place where you always feel like you, know, you second guess, like, do I belong here? And you're treated that way, right? It's just the era that I grew up in. It's different now, man. And, you know, it's made me like, it's given me like, you know, muscles and a, like a, a, a lens and like a kind of like a radar mm-hmm. to negative environments. 
But then it's also giving me this like fortitude to go, yo, I'm not going to go out like that. I ain't going to go out like some chump. I'm going to show you motherfuckers that, yo, I will fucking have a place in this earth. I don't take it too seriously. I'm going, I'm just an actor, but yo, you are going to see me. The people that are like, you ain't nobody. Like now they see me on TV. And when I was younger, I was driven by that fire. And now the legacy has changed. I'm like, hey, fuck those people. I have to be comfortable with myself and who I am and what my legacy is. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I am not happy or I am not satisfied with where I am yet. And do I think it's going to happen? I'm going to make it happen. I will do that. Right. But the fears of the human condition are all there, man. Like I ain't got no superpower going, yeah, man, I meditate, you know, 10 hours a day. And then when I wake up, it's like, <laughs> I'm going to go conquer the world. It's like, you know, you say it, you throw it out there, it's going to happen. Yeah, I can say all of that, but you know, all that is cheap. You just got to do. I can say, hey, man, I'm thinking about this and thinking about this. A lot of people talk that shit and then you, they're on the field or on the court. It's all theory, right? For me, it's like, you just get your hands dirty, get in it, get in it. And that's what I'm doing, man. And that's, that's all I know because it's, you know, it's like when you grew up the way I grew up, if you can't afford it, you make it happen. If you're not included, you create your own. Mm-hmm. That's what, you know, so, you know, everything I did, man, you know, from the first agent I had, a manager, I didn't even have a real manager. We made it up. My friends and I made up a manager. We got letterhead at Kinko's and we got this British girl to leave a voicemail and a message. Like, we just, we, we just made up a resume and then, and we had no office, man. And then, you know, we would buy the uh, breakdowns and uh, pull our money and then we would send it out. It was all, all fake because nobody would rent me, man. I went, first of all, nobody would meet me. I had no resume. I'm Asian. They, I don't know Kung Fu, right? I don't know, I don't know shit, right? So I don't know nothing. I'm from, I'm some hick from Georgia, right? They're like, wow, right. you're, what are you? And then uh, who's going to rep me, man? I didn't, you know, when Fast Five came out, I didn't have an agent. That's wow. the reality, man. Wow. That is the reality, right? Yeah. Everything from Fast to Better Luck Tomorrow is because I was just out there hustling. And that's how you meet one person and then you meet the next. Yeah. And they, it was always about community. You know, that's re- that's really interesting that you say that because a lot of the Asian actors that I know that have gotten gigs, especially earlier in their career, they never had fucking representation. It's just because somebody they knew put them in the, gave them the, like, I don't have an agent. You know what I mean? Anything that I've got is because so-and-so was a fan or, or we were friends or something like that. You know, like, it's just different for us. You know what I mean? It's like, we're, it's kind, it's like, a, you know, they always said that when I was coming up, they always told me the music business, no matter what genre you're in, right? It's the street business. You know, it's a handshake. It's an agreement. It's come on with me. You know, I don't care if you're a rock musician, a jazz musician, you know, it was a street business in the sense that, you know, the contracts didn't really mean much. You know what I mean? It was all kind of like you and your homies. It's us against the world. Come, you know, da 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 da. Come in, you know, all kinds of shit could happen, but there were the formalities were sort of out the window. And I find that it's very similar. And I, I would venture to guess that it's probably the same with a lot of actors, directors of color, also. Uh, you know, regardless of what group you associate with, man. You know. It's like so-and-so calls you up. Hey, man, I think you could work for this. You know, I don't have yeah. an agent. Fuck, it doesn't matter, man. Come through. Da-da-da-da-da. I mean, would you say that that's true in the early oh, days oh, up until oh, now? For sure. I mean, the way 
I met Justin Lin, the director of, you know, the latest Fast and Fast Tokyo Drift, where I, you know, I started in the franchise. And he directed. Shout out to Justin. Shout out to Justin, by yeah, the way. Yeah, sure. Justin. Yeah. That's our boy, Justin. And, uh, and no you know, Better Look Tomorrow, his first solo debut. You know, that was, I was in New York doing some, you know, independent film that never got finished. I was living in Staten Island in the basement of the director's uh, parents' house that had a wig store in like Queens and they had given their life savings to their son to make a movie that he never finished. And then, um, but it was my first movie, man. It was like my first like film, like a uh, uh, project that was shot on film. And what I was that called? Lot. What was that? What was that called? Did it? I have no idea. And it never came out. Never, never. I never. We didn't even finish. We the dude like disappeared uh-huh. and like the, like you know seventy percent into it. Like it was it was crazy. It was like the Hollywood like horror story. But in terms of like applying what I've been learning in class and all that stuff and reading books about like you, know, I got to implement it. It was an Asian American director, an Asian American story. So I was like, yo, there's a whole bunch of me out here, whole bunch of people from all over the world that flew out on their own, living in some basement, like n- not getting paid, barely eating, but because they have a dream, man, right? That's where I like met Jason Tobin that is in Better Luck Tomorrow in the Fast movies. And, you, you, you know, I was like, you know, I was so happy I got to participate. And unfortunately, the movie didn't come out. But that film was how I met Justin. It was that that producer, you know, heard that Justin, you know, Justin was talking and said, hey, I'm casting my movie, you know, but... You know, I can't be, I have no money and I don't want to deal with agents. I can't afford all that. And some name actors in the community that he reached out to were like, nah, you know, you got to deal with my peoples. Mm-hmm. And so he, this guy, this guy, Chris Han Lee, who was producing this film, he introduced me to, you know, the script and then Justin. And then, you know, I had a couple of other friends that was like really going, hey man, you got to meet this like young director. He's doing a film out of UCLA. It's Asian American thing. And I was like, I don't know. They don't really finish their movies. And then, uh, <laughs> and then uh, I was, I was done, man. I was like, I don't think I want to participate in this like Asian world, Asian American They don't world. finish their movies. That's hilarious. Yeah. yeah go ahead, man. <laughs> yeah. And then, I, and then I met Justin, man. And then we clicked, like we spoke the same language, you know, like, you know, he spoke in basketball analogies. And I was like, I like that. I like, I like the person who can apply theory, not just talk theory and not be able to dance once they get on the floor. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah, man. So, and then that obviously led to, you know, my participation in in Fast. That's where Han was born. And so if you think about it, you know, I had no agent. I, I, I had like three jobs at the time. And, you know, back then, this is how poor I was, dude. When Better Luck had its you know, little premiere that we had. It was like a small janky premiere. I couldn't afford clothes, new clothes. So I went to Banana Republic up the street because the premiere was in La Cienega in Beverly Hills area. And uh, I went to, to Beverly Center, to Banana Republic, bought clothes, left the tags on it. And then next day I returned all the clothes. That's hell yes. yes. Fuck yes. You know, it, that's hell yeah. You know, that's how that shit works, man. I bet you there's fucking actors showing up to premieres right now doing the same thing, man. You yeah, know? They should. They should. Because you can't wear that shit anyway, anyway after because there's pictures of it. You're like, yeah, man, he wears, he wears the same clothes he wore in his premiere. <laughs> <laughs> that's, 
<laughs> what did you wear? What were you wearing? You remember what it was? Was it like a safari jacket and some shit? No, no, no. It was a, it was a <laughs> light, light pair of blue jeans. And I remember I got the belt and then I got a stripe, striped dress shirt, long sleeve dress shirt and a like a blue navy kind of, you know, like a yacht captain's like laser, right? <laughs> So you basically dressed like the manager of Banana Republic. You came to the premiere dressed oh, as the manager okay. of Banana Republic. I, I actually looked like one of the people that worked at the movie theater, more or less. <laughs> but man, you know, I was hella nervous, dude, because my wife goes, hey, you, you have a ring around the collar most of the time. You got to be careful because you sweat a lot. And she goes, you better make sure you put the tissue here because I can't return it if you get that that ring on your, your neck. And then I was like walking around kind of like this throughout, you know, the day. Cause yeah. I was like, you like, I can't. I, and then I got home. It was all black, man. All oh black. man. So she was, yeah. it, so she, did she put like, she put a bib on you basically like a bib that you wore inside. Yeah. But then like, we came back. It was all nasty. She washed it. <laughs> and she, she's a baller, man. She returned it, dude. That's when my wife doesn't speak English. They're like, uh, excuse me, ma'am. You know, was this uh, Warren? And she's, no, Speaky. Thank you. No, thank you. Speaky. Oh, my God. That's <laughs> awesome, man. Totally. I don't know. Let me tell you something, man. That's a fucking survival skill when you're Asian is that I don't speak English. You know what I mean? Yeah. I used yeah. to do that as a kid, too, man. Like, people would ask me shit, and I didn't want to answer. I didn't want to implicate myself or something or incriminate myself. But... <laughs> Like they tell you know what I'm saying? Like they talk to you and shit, and you're like, yeah, yeah. It's you just, oh, you just gotta answer. You just go. <laughs> <laughs> and you go. You just point your answer. You go, Korea, Korea. Just go, Korea. Point to yourself. That's it. That's all you do. That's all you got to do is just point to yourself. You don't want to ask some stupid shit, answer some stupid shit, just point to yourself. <laughs> That's it. People don't know we have these fucking skills. You don't want to answer some stupid shit, just start pointing to yourself. That's hilarious. That's it, man. It's the best. That's so fucking funny, man. That is so funny. Sure. Sir, did you have a drink before you drove today? <laughs> hey, man, this collar and shit in, this, in our shirt is really fucking dirty, and the tag is still on, and it's bent up. Did you wear this to a movie premiere? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You know, you know what? The, the other thing that I thought you were going to... The other fucking thing that I thought you were going to say is... You, you know, the first thing that came to my mind is you show up to a movie premiere completely dressed in all brand new head to toe Banana Republic. I thought, <laughs> yeah. I thought you were going to say, yes, somebody that at the theater was going to like somebody that came to the premiere that you're in. I thought you were going to say somebody came up to you and be like, uh, excuse me, where is row five? Number, number three? Like, I got I get asked all the fucking time. Do I work here? You know what I mean? I got I was at Home Depot the other day. <laughs> buying some shit that I would never be able to install. And somebody said, hey, man, do you speak English? <laughs> you know, where can I find the sandpaper? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
so so let me ask you this. I mean, did you have because you grew up in Georgia, bro? I mean, yeah. not exactly Asian American capital of the world. I mean, did you have a lot of moments like that growing up? I mean, was that was that a, a, a like sort of a were there survival skills that you had to learn that you know similar to? Well, you know, to correct you, now Georgia is actually, it is the Asian capital, one of the Asian capitals in America. I think it's the, at least, I know it's probably like the top three Asian, no, largest Korean population in America. There's like a lot of Koreans. In Back Georgia. then, though, it was like that. Oh, now, 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 now. Right. I'm saying, though, when you were growing oh. up, though. I mean, oh, yeah, not when I was growing up. When it was, And especially, you know, I lived in Gainesville, Georgia for, you know, a long while and, um, you know, I was in Atlanta, Clarkston, then we went to Gainesville. And that place, so Gainesville is the poultry capital of America. That's claim to fame of that town. So that kind of gives you an idea of what that place would look like. And, um, you know, and it's just small town, small town mentality. And you know, they didn't, you know, the thing is, it's interesting when you, racism is so, you know, it's so complicated because you got to contextualize it. I don't think like racism for me was it's so it's so it's so complex to me because you know growing up in Georgia you realize that most people didn't even know the difference between Asians there was no difference between Chinese Japanese and Koreans especially for the young kids the guys who went to the Korean War or you know they fought in World War II yeah they understand it but they understand the difference but you know, it was never passed on to their kids of the difference of what a Japanese person was or a Korean or a Chinese, especially most of that stuff is learned through like food and entertainment and pop culture. Now, dude, everybody eats Korean barbecue and sushi and Thai food. It's fuzz everywhere, right? But right. back then, dude, yeah. no one even called me Korean, dude. I, everybody thought I was Chinese, man. Totally. Right? Totally. Right? Yeah. And... I learned how to be an actor young, man. Like I learned like how to use my Asianness to not get my ass beat, at least for a while. Because give me an example. Give me an example of that, because that's a survival skill, bro. Right? I mean, like, give, give me an example of that. Like I remember moving in to like a new neighborhood and no friends, and I knew I was going to probably get jumped or there's going to be some bully out there like trying to fuck with me. And so the next door house. Uh, had left all of these like you know uh, pieces of wood from a four by four piece of wood right and uh, a two by four or whatever and uh, and then I cut them and I made like a like a like a like a Lego set of a human being kind of like a, a body right so you can just kind of hit it all knock over and stuff and then I uh, watched uh, Fist of Fury right Bruce Lee Fist of Fury right yes and yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I basically w put the put the statue in my front yard and started basically pretending that I was I knew martial arts and shit, right? So the kids would like you know be riding by them, you know, you know my house on their bikes and shit. And the next door neighbor, he saw me, and then he, his name was Billy, and his dad was a truck driver. I remember, and he came over and he's like, "Hey." You know the martial arts, and I go, "Oh yeah, I know the martial arts." <laughs> the martial arts, <laughs> like they're a couple, like it's a couple. Yeah. Hey, you know the martial arts? <laughs> <laughs> you know the martial? No, arts? yeah, it's not kung fu or taekwondo. It's just, do you know the martial arts, right? And I go, "I know the martial." Arts. <laughs> right. And, so, yeah. and I, I was probably like seven, and this kid was probably like five, and then uh, I was teaching them made up kung fu. 
And so then you get the reputation of being a martial arts expert from China that moved into the neighborhood. And so, you know, they're afraid of you, man. They are, because I didn't have an older brother. There are no other Asians right. in the neighborhood that's going to like, you know, and I was used to getting jumped and beat up and fighting right. like every day, wherever I went, man. That was just part of the routine. You know, and what you do is yeah. you fight back, you run, you do what you got to do to survive. And fortunately, I didn't live in the era of guns and gangs and stuff. So, right. you know. I, I was I was lucky in that sense, but so so you were like teaching you were teaching a guy in in the front yard some martial art, the martial arts the martial arts that you did not know no oh. and you were critiquing him like on his <laughs> yeah <laughs> all you have to do hey all you have to do to be look like a master martial arts is put yeah. your hand be put your hands behind your back. And walk around him in a circle. You walk yeah. around him in a circle while he looks straight forward, like this. Yeah. Am I do? Is it like this? Look forward. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you never, you never really show him anything ever again. He's like, can you, can you break the wood? It's like, I do not do that. <laughs> you saw me break the wood. I didn't know there was someone witnessing because that's that's not what I do. You instill philosophy that you have oh to make up because you can't actually do it. You know what I mean? Oh, my God. And I imagine, like, the less that you would say, the more convincing you would seem. You know what I oh mean? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, like man. You, you just have to speak in grunts. You know what I mean? Am I, am I doing it right? Mm. Or just go, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's so funny, man. That's so yeah. funny. Our, our, it, it's it's fucked up, man, because all of our past, especially if you came up in the 80s, man, it's all tied to martial arts, bro. It's all... The, the martial arts. The martial arts. The marsh. It's all tied to the martial arts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. This existence yeah. that we live. But that was, that was all we had, man. That was the yeah. only thing that was cool about being Asian. Right. That was it. Yeah. Right. I knew that. I remember I saw uh, a black dude with uh, a Bruce Lee like T-shirt. And I was like, as a kid, I knew that. I go, yo, man, once a once a brother is wearing like you on his T-shirt, you are fucking dope. That, mm -hmm. that, that you have crossed over to like a understanding and like a coolness that, you know, like I go, how do you do that? Right. Like and, and that's all I had, man. That's all I had. But look, we didn't have money to go to learned the martial arts. So, you know, I, I didn't really have that opportunity. Um, and I wasn't interested in, man. I wasn't yeah. like, I don't want to be the martial art expert. You know, like, I, that's yeah. not, I didn't even relate with that. But that's all we, dude, we had nobody, man. I had nobody in baseball. You know, Asian baseball was not here at that time. We didn't have soccer players. We had no Jeremy Lin. We had no, and, you know, and any movie star was like from Asia. You know, all Jack right. Chan, Bruce Lee, Jet Li, all these guys. Yeah, they're great. And like you idolize them, but I go, yeah, they don't understand like what a, uh, a American kid's kind of journey is, right? Yeah. Yeah. So 
That's a, I think that's a, that's a pretty important distinction, man, because, you know, as I was coming up, I would point out to people, you know, coming up in, if you came up in the eighties or the nineties, I mean, you're sort of walking this, like you said, you're walking this path that hasn't been paved yet. You're kind of out on an Island, you know, and I would hear people say things, well, what about Jet Li? You know, what about Ang? What about Chow? And I'm like, they're all great. But the distinction is they're not Asian American. It's a different, it's a different experience. And people didn't, I think they still don't to a certain degree. They still don't understand that distinction. You know what I mean? That it's not the same, man. You know, it's like, it's like if you said, you know, there aren't enough enough great American actors and somebody goes, okay, what about Liam Neeson though? You know what I mean? You're like, well, at least he's a European actor. It's not the same. You know what I'm saying? It's not the same, you know? And I think, I think people are hopefully are just now starting to kind of get that, man. You know, I think they are, man. I think they are, you know, these, all these movies that are coming out, I think they've, I think they are, man. I think, I think it is. And it's not just the films. It's really like, you know, other elements of pop culture and sports and music, you doing your thing, you know, you inspiring the other, like, you know, Asian Americans out there just, you know, just go for it and give it a shot, man. And, you know, and yeah. it's like, I think all that is helping, you know, all that's, it's, it's, it's power in numbers. It's that village mm-hmm. coming together. Right. And then it's desensitizing, you know, like, it's like, that's where the cars are beautiful, man. I look at it as like, you know, a dude could be very you know, conservative. He could, you know, be anti-immigration. He could maybe even have like a, xenophobic or racist attitude because of news or whatever towards Asian people. But yo, man, I guarantee if I roll up in his favorite car and it happens to be like a 70 Nova or something, SS in his favorite color, I guarantee he's going to talk to me. Yeah, And I guarantee when he leaves, he's going to go, well, we have so many similarities. And then within that is re-education and going, you know, yo, man, you know, what you're thinking isn't right. What, what's in the media is not right this is you know this connective tissue has allowed us to kind of you know change each other's perspective right for the better so it's like it's power in numbers right so the more fate more of us are out there from Mm -hmm. asia or wherever in all aspects from politics like like andrew yang man like i'm not a political person but yo he has my approval because you know i remember like you know like a niece asking, you know, questioning if she could ever be the president of the United States, mm-hmm. right? She's mm-hmm. questioning it. And now people, these kids are, your, your son will be able to see someone like Andrew and go, yeah, man, he gave it a shot. Totally. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No, and I, you know, I think, you know, as we close this out, I think, um, I think that's probably one of the more beautiful and universal things that um, have come up in these conversations over and over again. And no exception here, man, is when you say we have all these perceived differences, you know, but it's just because we haven't found the common thread yet. You know, maybe we haven't found the common thread yet. And I think with me, it's been music. You know, I've been able to bond with people that probably I wouldn't have never had a conversation with, where they might have never had a conversation with me, you know, but it becomes sort of like this ground floor entry where we can start to build something, you know? And for you, I'm sure it's your career also, because I know the way that people feel about you, you know, just as an artist and as a person and as a figure, you know? 
But now you found this other aspect, this other avenue, which is cars and building and this whole community, man. And I think that that's really beautiful. And I, I, I just want to say you really continue to inspire me and you really continue to inspire so many people. I've seen it firsthand. You know, I've seen it firsthand. And I, I really want to say thank you for doing this with me. I had so much fucking fun, man. I just like like I said, man, I. I it's I, I, this is the, the the part that I love hanging out with you. You know what I mean? It's just the, the laughs and shit, you know, that I think a lot of people aren't up on, you know. And uh, I, man, I can't wait to do it again when all this shit is over, man. But I want to thank you, man, for doing this with me. Thank you for doing Mobile Homies, son. I appreciate it, man. Thank you, man. I'm, yeah, this was a lot of fun, man. Thanks. Yeah, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. Me too, man. Thank you. Yo, thank you for listening to Mobile Homies. Make sure you subscribe and hit me with a five-star review on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you catch your podcasts. For more content, hit up lyricsborn.com. Love y'all. Uh.